Hello and welcome to Shoulder to Shoulder. I'm Megan Silas. And I'm Pam Marvin. And today we have round two as it relates to forgiveness. Obviously a very big topic. And even after we finished the first episode, we were like, wait, there was stuff that we wanted to talk about regarding the topic of the first episode that we didn't get to and We'll see what we get to in the second episode. So we're kind of letting the Holy Spirit guide this one and and see what he wants us to say about forgiveness. But we are going to try to focus a little bit more on the practical aspects of how you get to that place of forgiveness and and what kind of behaviors uh, that need to be engaged in order to reach that place. And Um, we're going to be emphasizing, you know, working with the difficult people. Right. Yes. But one thing we just want to kind of pick up uh, from the last episode that we didn't mention a lot of the last uh, episode we talked about, like the why to forgive some of the reasons that we should forgive. And, you know, we talked about because God commands it and because uh, we have already been forgiven. So we owe forgiveness to others because we have received it. And also that love can't flourish without forgiveness. So those are all, you know, very big and compelling reasons to do it. But, you know, Pam mentioned that another reason, which is a a little bit more temporal and practical is unforgiveness can actually lead to some significant issues with your physical health, emotional, mental health, for sure, but also even your physical health. Like these things that fester within our hearts and in our, our minds can manifest themselves in ways that lead to illness. Absolutely. You hold it in. That's where the phrase eating at you comes from. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So the stress of unforgiveness can can also lead to, you know, physical symptoms as well. So it's a really big, important thing. I mean, it's important spiritually. It's important physically, uh, emotionally and, and psychologically. So when we were talking, you know, about being a fully integrated person, unforgiveness is something that hits on all four of those areas of one's life. That's going to lead to disorder and being disintegrated within yourself and and being able to be completely whole. Wholehearted, as we talked about in the last episode, that to be wholehearted, we have to have such a beautiful level of forgiveness from ourselves and others so that we can come from that uh, wholeheartedness that Jesus talks about. Right. So as we're moving towards the how to forgive and, and some of the things that we need to do in order to go along that path, I did want to um, get back to the idea that um, forgetting and forgiving are not the same thing. I, I, I've touched on it briefly in the first um, episode uh, of this two-part series, but I want to dig into that a little bit deeper because I think a lot of people have gotten it into their heads of if I don't if I don't completely forgive, excuse me, forget about the injury that's been given to me in the past, like I haven't truly forgiven that you have to completely put it out of your mind, never think about it again, you know, um, or you haven't truly forgiven it. And that's not true. In fact, if you remember it and yet still have forgiveness and mercy, that is much deeper and much truer than just, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. I, I refuse to even let it come into my mind. Like if you're that sensitive about the idea of it, the remembrance of it, that it still has the capacity to be painful, then you really haven't let go of it. Yes. So true forgiveness allows remembrance without the pain. And so I would say, throw out the phrase, forgive and forget. 
to forgive is to be able to remember yes. and not be further wounded. Because the reality is when we have unforgiveness, we are not only continuing to allow that event in the past to hurt you, it actually continues to wound you each time you have remembrance of it. Indeed. It's an ongoing process of being yes. hurt. And that's another reason why we need to move towards forgiveness to not continue to be injured by something that happened in the past. For sure. So when you do that, it also means that you've understood that you're going to separate your forgiveness from the behavior in the sense that it's not contingent. It's not contingent on the behavior changing even. You're talking of the other, yeah. Yeah, of the other mm-hmm. behavior of the other. Like my forgiveness doesn't have um, what I would call conditions. It doesn't, Very important distinction there. Right. So once you can let go of that, then you can get started. But if you're holding on to that, the idea that I will forgive if and when this, the other person does this, 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 and this, or stops doing this, 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 and this, you're, you're not really going to start down the path. So getting to that place of removing the contingencies. So unconditional forgiveness. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about what some of those contingencies are. So people can, if they are having a situation where they're struggling with forgiveness, they can start identifying, okay, yes, I've been placing this contingency on my forgiveness. I think, and we mentioned some of them in the last episode. I think one of the biggest ones right up front is the apology. Yes. I will forgive them when they come to me asking for forgiveness. Doesn't always happen that way. It does not always happen. And it may mm -hmm. never happen. And there's more than one reason why it may never happen. Because there's, you know, several different things that could be going on in the other person. They may not believe they need to ask for forgiveness because they don't think they did anything wrong. Whether or not that's true, you know, you know, you can examine that, but they're not going to ask forgiveness if they don't think they need to ask for, because there's nothing to be forgiven. They may not ask for forgiveness because they're afraid they won't get it. And the pain of coming to someone in humility and asking for forgiveness and being rejected, that forgiveness is very frightening. Very, yeah. So they may want to ask for forgiveness, but not have the courage to do it, to make themselves that vulnerable and risk the rejection. So that's a possibility. And another possibility may be that they haven't forgiven themselves for doing it, don't think they deserve forgiveness. Yes. So to ask for something they don't feel they deserve is something they can't, they, they just can't do. So you see with those three things, Mm -hmm. the contingency of I need an apology, there are so many things at play that may prevent you getting the apology. And two of those things may be really something that you can have compassion for. Right. And, you know, one other one in there is that the person who's injured you does not even know that they have injured you. So how could they possibly apologize if they're unaware, which that is goes true. back to one of our little family rules, which I think is a really good one. If you are injured by another person in the home, so sister to sister, the one sister's injured, 
the other sisters unaware. It is the injured sister's responsibility to have a crucial conversation with the other to say, hey, when you did this, I felt it hurt in, you know, fill in the blanks there. But it is the injured person's responsibility to be in communication with the person in the with the perceived um, action. And that, that's so important because I think in family sometimes we get injured and we don't even know we're injuring the other person unless they come to talk to us about it. A crucial conversation, which I think people have gotten away from too much. I am so glad you brought that up because I think that is huge. Huge. And, you know, in this culture where we do a lot of electronic communication, I mean, we did a whole show about, you know, maintaining friendships and things um, in the electronic age. That whole ghosting thing where people just stop like being in contact with you. Sometimes that's because, you know, they've been injured. They've been unwilling to have the crucial conversation and they just disappear. And then they're over there festering in their injuredness. And you're over here being ghosted, being like, what, what did, did I, I do? do? <laughs> I have no idea. And, and the, so the reality true. is if, if you really love the other person and you injured them and you didn't intend it, you want to know because you want to give the apology. You actually would love to say, you know what? I didn't intend that at all. I did, had no idea that it was going to infect, affect you that way, but I'm so sorry that it did. And so that idea of your willingness to come to another person Make yourself vulnerable and say, you know what, what you did there, that hurt me. Right. Like I, I felt very, you know, rejected by you. Or I felt abandoned by you. Or I felt in, that you didn't validate me in that way. And it hurt me. Like, so that if you are looking to have forgiveness that does involve maybe, uh, you know, an apology, don't make it contingent on that. But do give the other person the opportunity to at least know that you're her. And then maybe you will get that. Even if you're not saying it's required, you may at least be able to see the other person and understand where they were coming from. Right. One of the things that's just kind of similar to that, but a little bit differently, is when we are called to a fraternal correction of the other I see that sometimes, you know, it's, especially as with my adult children, they behaved in such a way that is not exactly uh, Christian or charitable. I typically, as their mom, don't really want to say something, but I owe it to Christ to say, hey, listen, this was a behavior that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to call you out on that, too. So that's right. just another aspect of we need to be speaking up for those things as well. It is true as a parent in, in particular, but, you know, I even do this in my friendships, sure. actually, is um, sometimes I will say if I observe a behavior that maybe didn't hurt me because I understood where it was coming from because I know the person so well and I know their heart, I will actually say to a friend or a child in my, you know, look, I just want you to know that what you did there, it wasn't gracious and I didn't get hurt by it because I understand where you're coming from. But I just I want you to know that somebody else may not have that insight. And what you just did could hurt somebody. And I it would be like 
not loving of me to not let you know how your behaviors might impact so another true. person. And right. that's a very charitable thing to do, Absolutely. Uh, which, but can be a hard thing to do because people don't always receive that, but it's a little bit off of topic, but I do think that the willingness to be upfront about behaviors that were hurtful or could be perceived as hurtful is, um, we um, owe it to the other. Yeah, you it's know. a good way to love. Again, it's like if I um, have injured someone because I've behaved poorly, I would fully expect them to call me out on my poor behavior to mm-hmm. receive the fraternal correction if I had, you know, behaved in such a way that wasn't charitable. Right. Now, I will say, though, that in your discernment about talking to somebody there is validity in understanding that someone may be so wounded, so incapable of really hearing the truth of your words and receiving in a way that's going to be fruitful that you may decide that I'm not even going to go into it because maybe you've had experiences in the past where you've brought something to somebody and told them, you know, what you, how you behaved was, was hurtful and their response is to just hurt you more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't need to put yourself in that position. You, if you know that that's a very, very distinct reality or even a certainty because of your you know, experience with this person, this is a time where your forgiveness is not going to probably involve any apology from that person or, you know, some conversa- crucial conversation that's going to move you towards understanding them better. And you're just going to have to do that work on your own. Right. This is the difficult people we're talking about in your lives that, you know, maybe are not coming from a place of Christian charity. Uh, maybe they're very secular, um, and you, but you have to deal with them on a regular basis, whether it's a family member or maybe someone that you work with. It is that difficult person that maybe you're not going to enter into that dialogue, but to help to understand where they're coming from and their lack of formation mm-hmm. or their abundance of woundedness and that kind of thing. You, I mean, they're going to be those difficult people. Right. Well, I would also say that for me, actually the most difficult circumstance is people who are supposedly coming from a Christian perspective, who are, you know, they talk about, you know, how they want to live their faith and everything. And then they behave in ways that are so contrary to the faith. Like I have such an easier time giving a a pass to somebody who's not a Christian when it comes to negative behavior, because I understand you don't have the grace of the Holy Spirit in your life. You don't have the commands of the Lord as something that is supposed to be central in your life. So it's almost understandable that you're going to fall short in behaviors. But when you're interacting with somebody who's supposedly supposed to be a great Christian, like they're like putting themselves out there as this, you know... (laughs) holy roller or whatever, but in their own personal life are behaving in ways that are so contrary to the gospel. That's where I actually really struggle the most. Mm. It's interesting to me how quickly I can give a pass to people who are away from the Lord, who don't have him in their lives. And so to come to that place of understanding that even a brother or sister in Christ can be functioning in a way that's extremely contrary to what God calls us to and may not be capable at a given point to receive the 
fraternal correction, you know, right. that we're called to and, and using my discernment to understand, you know, can I uh, expect anything good out of that? Or am I, is there just going to be further injury, further misunderstanding? Um, so, you know, we have to make those decisions. But the important thing I think is whether you decide you're going to go into a crucial conversation and, and sh- be vulnerable and share the hurt that you've experienced, or you decide that, you know, actually that's not a good idea. I'm more likely to even just get hurt even more. Either way, you don't make the decision trying to get something out of the other person. Only do make the decision that it'll be for the good of the other, but your own forgiveness isn't contingent upon any response from the other person, whether it's silence, whether it's, you know, forgiveness or whether it's like apology, Mm -hmm. whether anything change in behavior, any of that, we need to get beyond that or, um, we're not really going to go to the deepest level of, of what forgiveness um, can and should be. Um, so I think having done that, so having examined where are my contingencies, where am I saying this, this uh, needs to be satisfied in order for me to forgive. So we work on putting those aside. That's like the first step of, I think the practical aspect right. of getting this process going. Right. And Megan, I just want to like throw in here, too, that sometimes, especially um, if it's a deep wound, say, from childhood or whatnot, like in my case, certain things keep coming up over and over again where forgiveness is an ongoing. Mm -hmm. So I don't want the the listeners to think that um, forgiveness is one and done. That was a a real mistake that I had made early on, that if I simply said the words, well, I forgive you that all would be well, you know, mm-hmm. that is not necessarily the case <clears throat> that, um, it is an ongoing process and to be okay with that is kind of like, you know, leaning into the yuck, you know, mm-hmm. you just know that you've got to embrace it and, um, know that those are things are going to happen. And when it does that you forgive all over again. Um, but it, don't get stuck in the notion that sometimes it's a one and done thing. And if you, If it's not done, then you haven't done it correctly because there are some things that are so deep that it will need repetitive forgiveness. Yes, because I think those things that really wound us deeply, the things that wound us to the deepest level of our identity. Right. um, It's like, you know, that onion thing where there's all there's more and more layers and in your you learn, you know, you to go deeper and to find where those roots like really have gone deep into your soul. And, you know, the Lord is going to continue to reveal those things to you. He's so gracious and he doesn't just like overwhelm us at one point. Like, so he's going to gradually take us down this path of, of healing because forgiveness is really a healing process. Um, and so, so true. So but true. healing doesn't take, you know, happen overnight. Like in anything generally. Yeah, kind of a lifetime. Yeah. yeah. And so it's it's going to take time. And, and, you know, there still may be sensitivity in an area that there's been forgiveness at some level, but there's deeper levels that are going to need to happen. So you're absolutely right. It's, it is a process as much as it is. Right. Because the healing else. takes time. Just like yeah. um, a, a deep wound, say, from a car wreck may take a lot longer to heal up than, say, you you fall down on a bike ride and scratch your knee. It's different is the the amount of time that the healing is there. But when you call on the great healer, he'll be in there right there next to you. 
Absolutely. So when you've gotten to that point where, you know, you've removed the contingencies and you're focused then on, you know, you've come to the point of you understand yourself, you know where the pain is, you know what it came from, and you recognize that, yes, it's real, an actual injurious act has been done to me. And then you can, I think, start thinking about the other person. You know, we, we've, we've focused so much on, you know, really understanding yourself and bringing Christ into that, coming to that place of truly desiring to forgive, asking for the grace to forgive. Now you can start, now it's safe <laughs> to start turning your mind to the other person. Because if you haven't gone down all that path, you're actually almost in a near occasion of sin. If you right. even turn your thoughts to the other person, because you're, right. you're going to be acting out of your woundedness, acting out of your pain and you're either at least your mind. And if not, your actions are going to tend to be drawn towards right. the anger side. The, I'm getting a real picture here that basically you have to have an experience, a certain level of your personal healing to build your strength up mm-hmm. to be able then to turn, to look to the other. So you have to have a certain um, armor of God and the healing that you've experienced, which that's where it starts. That's what our last mm-hmm. episode was about. And then you can start to look at that other person in a different way with eyes of mercy and love and say, okay, I know the Lord wants us to have that Christian unity. How do I get there? How do I love this brother or sister? Exactly. So when you're then turning your eyes to the other person, I think it's important to go in there before you use your own intellectual capacity to try to do that. Really ask the grace of the Holy Spirit to come and give you eyes to see that person, how the Lord sees that person. Let's just say that again, because I think that is really a lot of the heart of forgiveness. Ask the Lord to give you eyes to see that person through his eyes. Amen. It's so tempting to put on our like, you know, junior psychology hat and just start psychoanalyzing the heck out of another person, you know, and, but that's not the way the Lord sees that person as just this sort of, you know, collection of behaviors and they are beloved. They're beautiful in his eyes, even in their woundedness. Mm. And he has infinite compassion for that person. It's going to be, of course, impossible for us to, have that level of compassion that the Lord has, but we can ask him to try to give us the grace of some of it before we turn our mind to the other person. So we look at them and we can acknowledge, okay, you have hurt me, but I also understand that the Lord loves you and you have been hurt in your life too. Let me try to think about what may have happened here that could have been involved in what happened between us, you know, between that person that hurt you and you, that that other person maybe doesn't have quite the level of culpability that is our default to assign. You know, like when we think about, for example, mortal sin, in order to to actually have a sin be mortal, there is a number of criteria that need to be um, filled, right? You need to understand 
truly understand that it is a sinful act, it's a grave gravely, matter, gra- uh, a grave matter. It's a grave matter. You understand it's a grave matter. You understand that it's a sin. You do it willfully without like any, you know, coercion or circumstances that pushed you into it against your, you know, you didn't really desire to do it. You, you, with full knowledge and will, you have committed a grave, gravely sinful act that you know is a gravely sinful act. Okay. Can, if you so often we assign to to the behaviors of others mortal sinful behaviors. Right. We say they understood what they were doing. They willfully chose to do it. They wanted to do it. All those things. When right. so often those behaviors do not fill those things. That's true. They didn't necessarily understand completely what their behaviors were going to do to you. Right. We need or, to think the best of the other. Right. Or. They really didn't want to behave that way, but there were things within themselves that made them act out against their will. You know, we were talking, you know, in the break about, you know, how St. Paul says, I do the thing I do not want. How often have we experienced that in our own lives where we had an idea about who we wanted to be in a certain circumstance and then we fall hideously short and we like... That is not what I wanted to be. That's not what I wanted to say. That's not how I wanted to act. But then Mm. it's done. You can't take it back. Right. You know, and that person may be in that circumstance, too, where they they behaved in a way they didn't want. They didn't intend because of whatever circumstances they they did what they did not want. Right. You know, Megan, as you're talking about us just being more charitable to the other, this one thing that really important came to mind is that if we want to imitate Christ, he is the grand healer. He wants to use us to be an instrument of healing. So sometimes when we supernaturally forgive, like we really, through God's grace, because it's really not human to to forgive like he has, Mm -hmm. that when you exhibit that to that other person, you are being an example of that kind of supernatural forgiveness that Christ has given to all of us. And so that is being his hands, you know, being his hands and his heart in the world. And maybe like, wow, they had so much reason not to forgive me because I was really, really rotten to them, but yet they have. And that example really inspires me to be better. You know what comes to mind when you're saying that is that beautiful story of St. Maria Goretti. So for those of you who don't know, St. Maria Goretti is a, a girl who was murdered when she was 13 years old by a, a older boy. I think he was like 18 or 20 or something like that. Young man at the time who he wanted to have sex with her and she refused and he lost his mind. He lost his temperature, temper, temperature. <laughs> he lost his temper and he stabbed her several Multiple times. Multiple times. Yeah. And the thing is, is that Maria Goretti while he's stabbing her is begging him to stop for his own soul's sake. Yes, that's right. And then, so she ends up dying. She, her soul visits him in a dream, tells him that she forgives him and wants him to be with her forever in heaven. This man who out of his anger and woundedness and lack of self-control killed this beautiful holy girl, has a complete conversion in his life, ends up living out his life in a monastery, and is at St. Maria Goretti's canonization. Right, right. The power of forgiveness in someone else's life 
to know that you've done something, exactly. you, you've injured somebody, to know you've injured somebody, and that person can come back to you and maybe not even say, you know, give you like this haughty kind of, I forgive you. But no, actually just acts towards you with charity, with love, with love who doesn't heart. hold it against you, right. who continues to treat you with dignity and respect despite this injury that you've caused to them. That can be the most powerful tool of evangelization that you would ever have in your life. Mm-hmm. So if as a Christian, you want to like build the kingdom, this is a way that you can do it. Just like Jesus, who says, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Right. Who Saint, Saint Stephen, as he's being stoned to death, says, you know, forgive them. This is so much more than just about, you know, what we should do for our own soul's sake. This can be so powerful in the soul of another. Isn't this about unconditional love Yeah, that hung on the cross to Absolutely. teach us that? And that comes through the form of forgiveness and healing over and over again, unconditional. Yeah. And so I'm going to pick up on the over and over again, because that I think is one of the challenges here. Often, you know, we think about forgiveness in the, in the sense of, okay, maybe there's an injury that happened in the past. That's not, that's now over and you have to, you know, forgive. But some of the most difficult circumstances are when you're in a continuing circumstance of injury that's happening over and over and right, over again. Right, it's like again. the ripple. <laughs> right. And, you know, and, and so then you read, you know, in Matthew chapter 18, when Peter asked Jesus, you know, how often should we, should we forgive, you know, seven, up to seven times. And Jesus says, oh no, not seven times, but 77 times or seven times, 70 times, or, you know, there's different translations of that. But basically that, that term is meant to mean like just keep going. There's no end to the number of times you should forgive. And, you know, when you're in a circumstance where you're continually being injured and you're just like, really, am I just meant to be like a a total, you know, whipping boy for this person? Yes. And the answer is no, no, you're not meant to be a total whipping boy for a person. Are you meant to continue to forgive and never allow yourself to enter into a place where you're content with unforgiveness? Yeah. No, you're not allowed to forgo forgiveness, you are allowed to remove yourself from situations of injury. Yes. So it, to forgive does not have to mean I stay in a close intimate relationship with a person who's abusive and just keep forgiving them. Right. That is not what it means. So important. Right. So if you are in a relationship with somebody who is, you know, Verbally abusive, verbally abusive, emotionally abusive, physically abusive, sexually abusive, any of these things. It is not healthy or holy to continue to give them the opportunity to sin. And that's what we have to, I think, really be aware of. If you clearly are a near occasion of sin for that person, if they're continuing to behave towards you sinfully. And so sometimes the charitable thing is, to remove yourself from that circumstance, to not be in close relationship with them, not because you're rejecting them, but because you're loving them by taking away the opportunity to continue sinful behavior. Yes, that's so true. You're removing yourself to take away their opportunity for further sin. Mm. Because, and a soul just can't 
keep being abused and not have that be incredibly damaging to them. And so if you're, if you're going to be capable of forgiveness, you may need distance and, you know, and to love that person in the distance means to work on not harboring resentment, to work on the forgiveness while you're apart and to continue to pray for their conversion, their healing. Yes. Because that is loving a person. Sometimes loving a person doesn't necessarily mean being intimately involved in, uh, you know, in their lives. Sometimes it does mean stepping away, allowing the space for healing to happen because for whatever reason, if a person is abusing you, there's something about your relationship that gives them permission to do that. And you know, you're doing harm to both of you. Yeah, you're doing harm to both of you because if they feel free to do that in your relationship, they're not going to be sort of pushed to a place where they're not given that outlet anymore. Right. Because when people act in ways that are that are abusive, they are acting in that way out of some disorder in their life, some woundedness in their life. Nobody does that stuff just because... Right. Right. There's some really deep stuff that that person Mm -hmm. needs to deal with. But if they're using their abuse of you as an outlet to manage that instead of actually deal with it, you are preventing their healing and not being charitable at all. At all. Mm, So true, Megan. And enabling you're enabling. And I think unsadly, you know, sometimes we get into our heads this false idea of Christian charity that says I just have to be, you know, the whipping boy, the whipping boy and <laughs> right. like just take it and take it and take it and think that that's good. Yeah. You know, you know, maybe in a marriage relationship, you know, if, if it's the wife, she's like, I need to be obedient, and subservient and God's going to bless that. And so, you know, you're, if the husband's being an abusive person to the and they convince themselves that it's holy to cooperate with that. It's not. No, that's a lie. That's definitely a lie. And so, you know, you have to ask, like, maybe you're having a really trouble forgiving somebody because you're participating in it by allowing it. And it just continues on and on and on. You're keep getting the injury right. and you're not getting the space to actually allow the Lord to get into it because you continue to participate by being present to it. Exactly. Megan, when that kind of segues into, um, I think the way we want to wrap up the end of this episode are the different indications of true forgiveness. So let's, let's go move on to those. The number one thing that comes to mind when I think of an indication of true forgiveness is that you can think of the person without anger or malice. Mm, Very good. Or some people aren't ordered towards anger. They're actually ordered more towards um, like hurt or resentment resentment or whatever. So you can think of the person without negative thoughts, emotions immediately coming to the surface. Like you can have an image of that person in your mind without wanting to, pull back from it. You can pray for that person 
with a true heart of charity and yes. not just white knuckling it because you know you need to do it. Right. Like really, truly in freedom, be capable of thinking and praying about the other person. Right. If I could add one, too, that was a turning point for me on my road to having to forgive some of the big things in my life was kind of saying, being able to look at it and said, they did the best they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had their own brokenness. I mean, just kind of that real merciful, like you said, yeah. seeing them with the eyes of Christ. Yeah. Um, really changed thing. They just did the best they could. They had their own mm-hmm. baggage and whatnot. Um, they're just doing their best. Yeah, to actually have compassion for yeah, the other compassion person, for them exactly. For sure. I think another thing that is a beautiful example of truly having forgiveness and also healing is that you can talk about what happened to you without it having to be something where you're venting or, you know, trying to work through it, that you can actually talk about what happened, talk about what you learned from it and how God worked through it in a way that's you feel at peace and you actually are then using it to bless others. Like you see this in people who say like have overcome, you know, like sexual abuse, say for example, and then they go forward And they've received healing and they've had forgiveness for the person who perpetrated that awful thing upon them. And then they can go forward and start ministering to people who have also had sexual abuse and they can talk about what happened to them and they can talk about how God worked through that to heal them and to bring them to a place of of peace and that sense of using a negative, being able to use the negative experience as a perspective of God's goodness and work in your life. Like when you get there, when all of a sudden there's no shame, there's no fear of talking about it, but there's actually a freedom to just discuss the pain that you did experience and then how God um, healed you and worked through it. And actually the pain that you experience becomes a praise that is the ultimate example right. of you've, you've forgiven the person who perpetrated the ill upon you. You've been healed from the wound that they inflicted. And now you are saying to the Lord, how good you are that, exactly. you, that you not only that you healed me, but that you allowed the injury so mm-hmm. that I could have the healing yeah. so that now I could proclaim you. Like it makes me think about that scene, which I totally love when Jesus um, you know, sees that blind man and they ask Jesus like, um, you know, was it the man that sinned or his parents that sinned that caused him to be blind? And Jesus is like, it's neither. He is blind so that the glory of God could be shown. Amen. And then Jesus heals him. Yes. And so what, you know, you think about, you know, say, for example, that man who is blind, he could have had some thought that his parents had done some sinful act that led him to be blind and had unforgiveness towards them. But if he could then come to understand, oh, no, I was the Lord allowed this in my life so that he could show his glory in my healing. Praise be to God. Right. There's a phrase here that's jumping out at me so big is where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. We must change our perspective to see what Christ is doing in that moment, because if you open your eyes, you will see how he wants to bless us through our sufferings and our our relationships. Right. So that, I mean, I think in the end, it's that sense of transformation, a transformation from pain, from resentment, from an anger to a sense of compassion, mercy, 
and praise to God for his goodness and his, and his healing. Beautiful. So what I'm hearing is we want to forgive to the point where we transform from pain to praise. Amen. So I would just uh, say that if you are struggling with forgiveness, um, and it's so common, it, it really truly is it's part of the human experience. Yes. And, uh, you know, talking about it, we are not minimizing at all how difficult this can be, especially when the hurts have been profound and deep and really got to the, like I said before, the, the root of your identity has been um, impacted mm-hmm. and shaken and, and everything. It's serious stuff. And, you know, we've talked a lot about taking it to prayer. We've talked a lot about, you know, all the th- work that we need to do within ourselves and everything. But I'd also say, don't try to do it alone. You know, ask the Lord to have healthy friends or family members to help you on that path of forgiveness, to be that place where you can say, you know, I'm not looking to really vent and be ugly about this person, but I do need to share my pain because it has value to just verbalize, like, you know, this is really how it hurt me. And, and that don't think that sharing the truth of the pain that you've experienced necessarily means that, you know, you're being ugly or uncharitable. Yeah, sometimes it does you feel just like detraction it. though. It really does. But, but getting it off your you chest, honest, right? And it depends on who you're speaking it to. Very yeah, important. <laughs> for sure. Someone who receives it with mercy. Right. So on this path to forgiveness, let's not walk it alone. First and foremost, let's bring our best friend and the, the healer of all Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ into those places of our heart that are wounded and harboring unforgiveness. He has said that we need to forgive in order to be forgiven. And he would not tell us and ask us to do something that he was not willing to give us the grace and power to do. So trust that the Lord wants to help you in this process of forgiveness, bring it to him in prayer, and then ask him to bring the people into your life that can help you do it. Amen. So as we you know, close this, I just I pray for your all of y'all's hearts. I just pray, Lord Jesus, come, come into those places of unforgiveness, bring your Holy Spirit, show them, open the door to the areas where they need to let go of the resentment and the pain that they've been holding onto and let you in, let you bring the healing that you desire to bring, give them the grace that they, that you want for them so badly. And it's just waiting for them. Lord, I ask you to soften the hearts of people who've had their hearts hardened because of pains they've experienced. We acknowledge, Lord, that you did not want that pain. Sin is not your perfect plan, but sometimes, Lord, it is your permissive plan to allow sin in our lives in order that you can bring something greater out of it. So we trust in your mercy. We trust in your goodness. And when he asks you to bring the healing into the lives of folks who are suffering and struggling with unforgiveness, and we pray that you would give us forgiving hearts, that in our own lives, that we would be constantly be open to being willing to forgive and to love and to show the compassion and mercy that you showed so beautifully, so profoundly and so deeply on that cross on Calvary. So we give our listeners over to you, Lord Jesus. We ask you send forth your spirit that they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth through the power of forgiveness. Amen. Amen. We pray that you would share this with folks who maybe are suffering from unforgiveness and that they could be blessed by it. And we thank you so much for um, coming and, and listening. And um, we ask that uh, you continue to move forward and bless each other 
and go forth in forgiveness and peace and joy. And walking shoulder to shoulder. Walking shoulder to shoulder. Until next time, God bless.